Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Substack, musings of an old sports writer. You can find him, Substack.com slash at Bob Kravitz. Bob Kravitz joins us. You got something free up there now? You got, um, what, you got your report card, your dopey report card? Is that free to everybody? Yeah, uh, yeah, that's free to everybody. Oh, it like it. Uh, made its, made its uh, triumphant uh, return to, uh, to, to the public. So, you know, try to contain your enthusiasm. By the way, will you buy me a shot and a beer tomorrow? Oh, we don't need to. Okay. We'll just give it to you. Yeah. Okay. All Are right. you, you going to come by tomorrow? Yeah, I'll oh, hell yeah. a little bit. We well, you know how that yeah. works there. Free samples. No, I'm, I'm, I'm well aware. I'm well aware of the free samples. I um I, I can't like I can't say, hey, come by and get free alcohol. I can't say that because people get yeah, mad. Yeah, but when yeah I, when I, can, I, see, I can understand that. Yes, yeah. uh, the dopey report card is back <laughs> and uh you know, writing about uh, Anthony Richardson and why we don't want him to turn into Andrew Luck, you know, by getting uh injured when he runs the football, so that'll probably be tomorrow. Yeah, and, and this is a, a little bit different because you know, Luck was certainly reckless, and, and, and that was that became his signature, Bob. And I remember talking about this back then, uh, about the first three or so years, and his signature was, it was called extending the play. Oh, he extends the play, and he's great at extending the play. And then all of a sudden, it didn't become great any longer because one injury became another and another and another. And that's what you want to stay away with with Richardson. But I would have to ask because that's part of his forte, part of his game, yeah. his athleticism. Yeah. I mean, how do you handle this as carefully as I think fans would like to see Shane Steichen yeah. do? It's a really fine line because, like you say, um, this is what makes him special. It's what you know potentially potentially can make him special and certainly different. And uh, if you take that away from him, what do you really have? So I just think I think that uh, Trevor Lawrence is very smart. Uh, um, the other day after the game, he told uh, told Anthony, he said, "Hey, man, take care of yourself, protect yourself." And I think that's a really smart thing to say. Now, how you do it, I don't know. We talked to Anthony today, and he said he was in the training room on Monday, and he said, I had feelings in my body I've never had before uh, after a football game. And, you know, the the other players are like, get used to it, Rook. And he's going to have – look, you know, I mean, he's he's their running game right now. I mean, they got nothing else, you know. I mean, you talk about protecting this guy. I mean, the best way to protect him is to get uh, Jonathan Taylor back under contract and get him back out in the field now that, of course, he's healthy, you know. But, uh, yeah, uh, it's a very fine line, Um, you know. And, I mean, you look at at Aaron Rodgers. Steichen was bringing – brought this up today. He said most quarterback injuries happen in the pocket, as it did with Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, I remember Andrew Luck, you know, taking on tacklers out in the open field, and we saw the result of that. So I'm not, I'm not sure how you decide, you know, I mean, uh, certain quarterbacks are, are better 
at, at knowing when the play is over and others not so much. They're going to fight for that extra yard, but he can't be a linebacker out there. He's got to know, know when to fold him, I guess. Kenny Rogers, RIP reference right there from Bob Kravitz via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Let's double back to Sunday for a moment. Here's what I thought you could play off of it. Three quarters. Uh, certainly, it was enjoyable. Uh, they were right there. Could have won it. Uh, it was obvious that they don't have anywhere near enough. I don't even know if they have, like, plural uh, skill position threat type of players, um, as we have witnessed. That's an issue. But a couple of things hold true, no matter the personnel. Um, it is fourth quarter issues. And I know that there are a lot of reasons why the defense failed in the fourth, but again, it gave up 14, it failed. A lot of reasons why the offense failed in the fourth, but again, it failed in the fourth. That probably what sticks out to me more than anything else because that has made the transition from regime to regime, it seems, in the past handful of years. Well, yeah, I mean, they had a lot of three and outs, a lot of four and outs. I think the defense got a little uh, little gas at the end. Of course, you had something of a short field after Agnew uh, picks up that punt and runs it back, I think, 46, 49 yards, something like that. Um, but, you know, that, that the def- I don't worry too much about the defense. I, I think they're going to be okay. Um, the problem you have is, you know, we were asking uh, Steichen today about how conservative the game plan was. And, you know, look, if you can't run the ball, you can play that two-deep shell you don't have to worry about bringing a safety down into the box to stop the run. You're not going to have any deep shots. And I think that's one of the reasons why Alec Pierce was, a, you know, invisible is he's a downfield receiver, um, you know, more so than Pittman. And, you know, they had a safety over the top at all times. So they have got to run the football just a little bit. I know everybody – diminishes the importance of the running game and running backs are, are are not as important as they used to be and all that's true but you know if you want to pass the ball effectively you've got to you've got to make that safety you got to you've got to make that safety come down the box and, and give yourself a chance over the top and here's the problem i whatever you feel about zach moss maybe i'm going to be completely wrong but i'm not believing that that's going to move the needle too much coming up on no. Sunday, uh, which in lies the problem here. And we'll get to Jonathan Taylor, his status situation coming up in just a second. I know that's going to thrill you. But to me, because it wasn't addressed in the past month, uh, there was nothing really offensively other than Isaiah McKenzie addressed in the offseason. There's just a lot of um, – what the hell going on right here? So, I mean, we're, we're, right? Yeah, a lot of what the hell. And while I understand it's a rebuild, at the same time, do you not hold back what you're trying to see um, grow, produce, uh, evolve at quarterback here by taking this particular path? I, I agree completely. I mean, you, you've got to surround him. I mean, you go back to Peyton. And granted, future Hall of Famers uh, at the skill positions, Marvin Harrison and, and uh, Marshall Falk. And, you know, he. Hey, hold on. Hey, Bob, hold on one second. Your phone's yeah. cutting out. Put him on hold. I will right here. On hold is Bob and make sure his phone's all right. Got to get that thought. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. 
We're going to go with whatever. And you guys don't want to see whatever. I've said this all along. It's okay. You understand what you're going to get, and there's going to be a lot of losing this year. But you guys want to see a pop here or there, and there was an opportunity on Sunday. They just didn't have enough at the end. Didn't have enough dudes. And it's not like they're going to run out there and get any more. Bob Kravitz rejoins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Yeah, go ahead and move forward with what you were talking about as far as not having the adequate personnel to help out the quarterback and help the quarterback evolve himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I I like Michael Pittman a lot. You know, he's a one here. He's, you know, probably a two uh, at a lot of other places, but – you know, he's as solid as they get. That we, He ran down the sideline. That was the fastest I've ever seen move. I mean, he was scooting. But uh, I'm, I'm still not sold on Alec Pierce. I'm not sold on any of these tight ends. I thought Kylan Granson has shown, shown some flashes. I don't know if he can block well enough. Uh, I'm curious to see when Jelani Woods comes back because I thought he showed uh, some signs last year of being a real nice player. Uh, Ogletree, of course, uh, got hurt again. Um, but you know, if you if you want to see what your quarterback can do, you got to surround him with some guys, and there's just nothing. Yeah, and look, I, I don't I don't put all the running problems on the running backs. I mean, there wasn't a hell of a lot of room to move. I mean, you know, fourth down and inches. You know, when I, I mentioned to Stike, and I said when you had Jalen Hurts, you guys are 35 and 34, 35 for 36 on fourth and, and one or less and on, on those quarterback sneaks. And they were just inches short uh, on fourth down, and they got completely stuffed. So some of it's on that offensive line, that, that highly paid offensive line. They've got to be better, too. So Bob Kravitz joins us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylon. you got the Colts and the Texans coming up at Sunday at 1 o'clock. 10 a.m. Your pregame huddle begins with me coming up on Sunday morning. And, and that kind of gets us to where we are with Jonathan Taylor. And I've asked this question and everybody else. It's pretty unanimous here that there's going to be no movement here on yeah. either side. At some point, I would expect some fireworks in the next three weeks yeah. or so here at some point. I want you to go ahead and, and talk about that. But there's a long a line drawn in the sand that nobody's going to jump over, even though it is incredibly evident to the stinking world that if you were to meet in the middle here, it would be better off for absolutely everybody. I mean, this this whole stink is ridiculous to me. I, I don't know who to blame, and the reason I, I say that is we don't know what, what Jonathan and his agent are asking for. You know, if they're asking for $12, 13000000 I would say, you know, you, you gotta... Yeah, I mean, look, I mean... Chris Jones signed all these guys who were holding out. They've all signed except for Jonathan Taylor. It seems like, um, I don't know. I, I do think they're going to, they might, they may end up suspending him once he, 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 you know, once he's eligible to come off the pup, I think, like you said, there's going to be fireworks. It's going to get messier before it gets fixed. And, you just hope that after that, by the time you reach trade deadline, if they decided they're gonna they're gonna stand stand tough on this, that a team will look at themselves and say, "Hey, we're just a running back away," and they might be willing to give the Colts more of what they're looking for in a trade. 
besides, I guess, three quarters of football on Sunday, what else stood out to you? What else did you take away as a positive? And certainly, if you want to talk about some of the negative, which Anthony Richardson had in the fourth quarter, make no mistake about that, you turn it over under those circumstances, and that's a negative regardless of how much experience you have. Uh, but the good and the bad that you saw besides the quarterback play on Sunday. Well, the, the great was uh, the stars on defense played like stars. I thought, I thought Shaq Leonard looked terrific. That too. You know, I, I agree. I, 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 you know, is he is he all the way back? No, but boy, he, he from from sideline to sideline, a couple of snaps. I just watched him, and I thought he looked tremendous. Uh, DeForest Buckner was just blowing things up. Grover Stewart was really good, and Zaire Franklin is just he's just become uh, you know a Pro Bowler. I mean, he's he's becoming I mean, eight nineteen tackles or eighteen tackles, something like that. He was extraordinary. So I, I thought defensively they were pretty pretty solid. I thought even the secondary was played played passably good football. Uh, I I thought the play that changed the whole game was the punt. Yeah. You know they go up twenty one seventeen. They they punt the ball down to about the five yard line. Agnew picks it up, reverses field, and. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I give their their special teams guy Brian Mason a lot of credit for telling the media that a rookie made a rookie mistake and took the wrong lane and all that kind of thing. Because you rarely hear that from coaches; they they rarely tell you what actually went on. But um, you know, I thought that that was the big you know special teams. Jacksonville. I mean, look, Jacksonville. Jacksonville has a chance to go a long way. You look at their schedule, man. Their schedule is really favorable. Um, all their tough games are at home. Um, you know, they play still play in this division uh, with, with no really good teams except for themselves. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I thought there were a lot of good things. I, I really did. And this team's not going to win much. I mean, they're just not. And, you know, and I, the fact that they're not – um, making any effort to keep Jonathan Taylor tells me that they they don't care much about winning this year, and I I guess I can't argue all that that vehemently. Uh, that's a bad idea. I mean, the, the thing is, you want Anthony to grow, and you've got to surround him with studs. And and, and uh, Jonathan Taylor is without question a stud. I, you just you got to. Some- Surround him with some anybody's, you know, not just kind of. You know, I, I hate saying it's nobody's, and that's yeah, kind of I mean, what he has right now. I mean, anybody to help him grow. I know this is not about wins and losses, and we know, right. you know, how much time Steichen's going to have, how much time Chris Ballard on this reset is going to have right now too. So that's going to be no big surprise. But you know, really, what you do is you hurt the growth of your quarterback by putting him in situations where he has absolutely nobody at all to lean on. Right, and, and, and you're constantly in third and long. You know, I mean, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but, you know, it, it seemed like because of the running game, uh, they were in third and long all day long. And uh, it's this, this certainly not optimal for a rookie quarterback, especially one with his little experience. And I, I, thought, I thought the game plan. I, I thought they tried to keep it real simple. Uh you know, and I thought Anthony was really smart in the way he checked the ball down. Thought he made a couple of nice plays to Josh Downs, who I think has a chance to be a really nice player. Um, but you know, they, they don't have anybody on that team who scares the defense. They just don't. 
Hey, Bob, do you think that Shane Steichen is still going to be a go-for-it guy? People were asking me about that uh, both on Monday and Tuesday, and I said that's just, to me, how he's wired, although you can be wired differently as the O.C., in Philadelphia and do that with the personnel you have offensively yeah, than do it here. Exactly. Will he will he adjust to that or will that still just basically be his MO, the go for it type of gambler guy moving forward, regardless of the Colts personnel? Yeah, I, I think he's gonna make adjustments as he goes. I, I think I think he understands now that, you know, they don't have the personnel um that that that, you know, helps you convert in those situations. I mean, fourth, fourth and inches for crying out loud. You've got three of the highest paid offensive linemen at their positions and you can't move the ball a half a yard or a couple of inches. Are you kidding me? Um, so I, I don't know if this is the way he's going to be. I, I disagreed with, uh, I think they had like fourth and four about the 40 something yard line. I didn't like that call, but I, I didn't take issue with any of the other, fourth down decisions. Um, I, I, I think I think it's like anything else. He's going to figure out what he's the personnel and, and adjust accordingly. So, um, you know, it, it may it may be a little bit different. It may be a little bit more conservative on fourth down calls going forward. But, you know, it's not a question that I've asked him. So uh, I'm not, not completely sure. It's at Bob Kravitz, substack.com slash at Bob Kravitz, musings of an old sports writer with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. This may be something we'll get into tomorrow if you join us at Parks Place and Fishers, but I, I did want to kind of get into it before you left here. We saw Monday night Aaron Rodgers go down with that Achilles yeah. injury, and there has been, and I, I knew this was coming. I actually asked Nate Atkins this yesterday, you know, regarding turf fields to grass fields, and, you know, we know the NFL in an era right now where, you know, they try to be, want to be, at least say that they are 100% with the health of the player. And this has been a point of contention the past 48 hours or so. Will we get to a time when maybe they try to mandate each and every field around the NFL having real natural grass? Well, they're, they're paying these, these guys enough money. You would think that they would want to do everything in their power to protect their investment. Now, having said that, the NFL came out and they, they claim to have studies that show that the, the number of injuries or the frequency of injuries is not, is not much greater on turf than, than, than grass fields. I would suggest that the injury that Rodgers got the other day would have happened just about anywhere. I mean, he just went down the wrong way. In fact, as soon as he went down, I turned to my wife and said, that's, uh, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I said, that's either a broken ankle or an Achilles. I mean, it was pretty clear by the way his foot kind of got under him. Um, but you would think with all the money, especially the guaranteed money they're giving these quarterbacks, they would do everything in their power to protect them. So I would hope that the Players Association uh, would get even more uh, involved in this and, and see what can be done because how much could it, I mean, these are multi-billion dollar businesses. Um, it seems to me you can, you can afford to bring, you know, track grass fields into, into these stadiums, even the domes. Um, they do it in Arizona. Um, they do it in many other places. So I'd like to see them go all grass. Um, but, I don't think the Rodgers injury was really was necessarily turf related. 
I'm not coming at that from an expert point of view, obviously, but it didn't. It looked to me like that's something that would have happened uh, in any case. Now, so let's think for a moment here. Uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, I'm assuming still has a number of years to go before they're going to have to build another one. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I'm thinking no, um, there's, there's no drainage underneath the uh, the stadium. So I wonder, I, I, I guess necessarily you wouldn't need drainage to have a grass field put on no, there. No, so not, you could just, you could just like, close. yeah, slide it in or slide it out, which is funny to say here on the air with you. But you could do that, <laughs> I, I guess, at Lucas Oil Stadium. But what's the possibility you think the Colts ever think about doing that legitimately? Well, I think there's a screaming and yelling. And if, if it comes from the top, if Goodell mandates it, then, then it's going to happen. And I, I just, but Jim's the leader. Jim's the clubhouse leader as far as owners. He wants to be that loud voice. So at some point, he's probably going to be asked this. Yeah, yeah. He's he's too busy not uh, not talking to Jonathan Taylor now. I guess I don't know. I, I, it seems to me when you're when you're paying these guys millions and millions of dollars, in some cases tens of even hundreds of millions, um, you, you want to protect them at all costs. Uh, but the league insists that they have studies, and I haven't read them, but that they have studies that show that the the frequency is it's not that much greater frequency with um, with turf as opposed to grass. So, you know, they, they seem to be dug in on this. Need to get that Bill Murray turf. You dig that, right? The Bill Murray turf where you can play 18 holes on it and then smoke it all up afterwards. Smoke it, yeah, absolutely. I'd be... <laughs> Totally on the Andy Moore Automotive Group pylon. Hey, by the way, somebody asked me this. Um, and yeah. I think Stephen Holder told me he felt that this is all led by Chris Ballard. And my counter was, if if Jim Irsay wanted Jonathan Taylor playing right now, he would write a check and Jonathan Taylor yeah. would be playing right now. So to me, it starts right there. Would you agree? I think it starts with Ursa, but I think I think Ballard's on board. And you know what, what's really sad about this, John, is that we have to question uh, on every issue like this. We have to question: Is Ballard on board with this, or is this, or is yeah. he just doing Jim's bidding? And I think that's a really dangerous spot for a general manager when people don't know if he's, uh, you know, doing what he thinks is best, or if he's doing the owner's bidding. Um, I would agree. If if Ursay said you 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 write the check, or you know I'll write the check, and you, you get him back in in here, I think he would do it. But I think I think they are of the same mind on this. Honestly, uh, could be wrong, but every indication I get is that organizationally they're pretty much in lockstep on this. You're right about the whole Ballard to Ursay thing. Because it's That's been like terrible. two two years now to where you have to legitimately ask the question. You'll wonder if the GM's on board because well, the owner has stepped in and made so many decisions. He's a survivor. It's it, You know, I mean, you know, it's funny that I remember when Jim hired Chris, he said, this is the greatest GM mind of the 21st century or some yeah. crazy ass thing he said and um and, and then he he took the job out of his hands basically and hired jeff saturday and made all these ridiculous moves last year so he, he undermined chris and you have to ask the question every time a decision is made is chris on board and you know i i think i think at this point it's one of 32 jobs 
It pays well. He's got kids in school. He's got family. I mean, he's going to go along to get along. But honestly, last year I kept waiting for him to show up at a press conference and say, I'm done. But <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, he's a survivor, and I think he uh, – uh, I think the paycheck is very nice. Yeah, I said this earlier. I, I can't think about anybody um, unless we're talking about you know ownership decisions within the Bengals for a couple of decades. I can't think of anybody that had the direct decision-making, roster-building power like Chris that would get a seventh year after the sixth and more than likely an eighth and a ninth coming as well. That's That's an amazing yeah. fact that just simply does not happen in this era of the NFL. It doesn't, and but, but there's one reason for it. He's got the Andrew Luck get out of jail free card, yeah. And he's been playing that, um, not intentionally, but you know, I, I think he's been able to play that for the last couple of years, um, and he's he's going to get at least two more years because he's got the rookie quarterback who's got no experience or very little experience. So there's no doubt in my mind he's he's here for at least the next two years, and. If they don't start to make some improvement, then, yeah, I think we'll see a change um, there. But uh, for now, I think he's fine. Yeah, it it is amazing to think about it Um, in terms of how much – because yesterday was his birthday, uh, how much Andrew Luck loves architecture. Uh, considering uh, the damage and the complete teardown of this organization he did at the yeah. tail end of uh, when when he quit and he was done is is absolutely amazing to think about from somebody that loves architecture to the level in, in which he does certainly so yeah, I'm, I'm following you sort of yeah kind of I was just trying to make something that's, <laughs> that's what happened that's what happens when you try to create something Bob that's not there okay. <laughs> So, I, I do that. That's, that, that's advice for Anthony Richardson. Don't try to create anything that's not there. All right, Air. Exactly. There you go. You make, brought it all around to the to the beginning. Make sound decisions. Substack.com slash Bob Kravitz, Bob Kravitz, musings of an old sports writer. You can find his work there and see him coming up tomorrow because he's going to slide by and have a couple of samples with us at Parks Place Why and Fishers. Not? Yeah. Why not? Awesome. Yeah, looking forward to it. Can't wait bye, to bye. see you tomorrow, Bob. Thank you. Andy Moore Automotive Group Pylon Morning Show is now called the Morning Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Kevin Bowen joins us. Um, I, I did reach out to Andy. I, I didn't know if you had an update on Andy and his wife and, and their situation uh, a little bit after five o'clock on this Wednesday afternoon. Kev, you got anything you can share? Yeah, we've got a baby boy born at. Uh, I think he tweeted about this, by the way, so I I don't want people to think all of a sudden out there I'm just revealing Sweeney family news um, randomly. Yeah, baby boy. They name it JMV Smooth? (laughs) Don't think so. You know, he he refers to himself as a gas bag quite often, and I kind of like little gas for a nickname for the little guy. JMV Smooth Sweeney sounds awesome, don't you? Yeah, I guess I've got a decent yeah. ring to it. Middle name, middle name smooth right about, there, yeah. The way you've talked about Louisville and Sellersburg before, I, I don't know if he's going <laughs> to go with that. I was going to ask you this. Do you think, does he take that in stride and laugh about it, which is exactly how it's meant, or does he take that <laughs> Southern Indiana stuff the wrong way? Yeah, I I think he just like had to be reminded, like, hey, this is just JMV being JMV. And I, I, I think once he kind of gets the swing of it, he will. And I mean, I guess 
in a way. I mean, you are. I know you're not that Southern Indiana. You don't classify yourself as that. No, we don't. Listen, uh, we don't have any teeth or indoor plumbing either. So yeah, I'm right there with him. In fact, I had people go to school with me. Some that did not graduate. They're probably be even worse than those of him that in and around the Silver Creek, Sellersburg area down there. So yeah. Uh, but yes, we had a baby born this morning, so I know it was a pretty nice. chaotic uh, night for them, and, and even the morning, and he was kind of texting us updates. At at one point, I asked him for an update, and he said that he referred to the situation as we are a Big Ten offense slowly prodding along. So I, I didn't know if this was like a reference to the Wisconsin offensive line or Brian Ferentz or what, but... Uh, nonetheless, I guess the ball got over the uh, got over the goal line about ten forty this morning. Is he an SEC honker? Because I mean, really, let's face it: in football, Kentucky's really not the SEC. I mean, you got to get down into Georgia and Alabama in, to be SEC, right? I mean, there's there's nothing really. He's he's more Big Ten there than than SEC. I mean, really ACC, and that sucks even worse. Yeah, I look at Kentucky and Vanderbilt like we look at Rutgers and Maryland. Yeah, I'm. I'm just kind of. I mean, that doesn't really count. Now, granted, Rutgers and Maryland have had you know varying degrees of of success. Whereas Kentucky, well, I guess Kentucky's had a little bit of success here as of late, but certainly Vanderbilt is not having any sort of success in the SEC whatsoever. It's just a matter of time before they exit the conference. You would think, unless their academic reputation is the only thing holding them together. Yeah, I'm too well, uh, Vanderbilt's really good in the Quiz Bowl. I got that going yeah, for exactly. yeah. yeah, yeah, and I guess they're good at baseball. They have yeah. SEC baseball going. going yeah, on. and I think uh, the Jerry Stackhouse thing has gone very well in basketball either. Well, and and they also both uh, Vanderbilt and Belmont. I wonder the percentage of folks that end up in the music industry because of where they're located out of both those schools. Oh, easily, yeah, yeah. Lipscomb, throw, yeah. isn't that a Nashville yep. school as well? It Bel- is. I mean, hell, you know Belmont from Dylan Windler. But yep. I mean. Belmont's got more than a respectable basketball program. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. We um, make a little fun of Andy Sweeney occasionally, so I know he's going to be out, and I want you to give him our best. I mean, everybody, not just me here in studio and James, but our best from the listening audience out there whenever you speak with him. So uh, what's what's the deal tomorrow? This morning, James is in there with you, James Boyd of The Athletic. Who you got tomorrow? Yeah, it'll be James again tomorrow, okay. and it'll be myself and uh, Mark Dykeman to round out the week. Oh, no. The, uh, not I don't have to hear about Cubs rookies being great because they caught a baseball, do I? Good crap and Lord. Tell me you were listening today when during our morning check down, which I can't recall a time we've ever played a highlight of a losing team ever. Yeah. And he played a highlight of a Cubs prospect making a catch in the outfield. That's so exciting. Well done. The guy's not going to be any better than Mike Vale. <laughs> Who cares? The guy's going to make hey, Jerome night, he going to make Jerome Walton look like Willie Mays. Last night might have been the best Reds night of the year. A Reds win yeah, and five, I agree. Teams, five teams above us all lost. Come on. Hey Kev, I'm going to give our favorite team some credit. Because there have been a lot of times over the past two, three weeks, I have no idea who the hell's pitching. I go, wait a minute. I follow this team all summer. I don't know who the hell that is. Um, and they've had everything from COVID to injuries to whatever happened. Um, and the fact that they're still legitimately in this race in September, that gives me 
a semi-sports arousal. It does. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, well, if you're happy, I'm happy about this this, this subject. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I remember moments like in July where it's like, oh, we always had June. And even in August, it was like, oh, we always had June. And, yeah, I, I didn't think we'd get to mid-September and think, I mean, what, are they one back? Is that what it is right now? Um, yeah, I, I think one. Think yeah, was, one back. Yeah, I I didn't think we would be in that situation where you still have have an opportunity here. So we'll see how the next uh, next couple of yeah, the uh, Cubs couple are down three. Cubs are down three yeah. in Colorado right now. I wonder if their outfielder made any catches. I hope so. <laughs> That's exciting. Well, you know, Mark Dykin will be playing that first thing tomorrow morning. You know, oh yeah, we got Zaire Franklin on at seven thirty. Wait, Zaire, we're gonna keep you on hold. We're going to play an outfielder catching a ball here. <laughs> so, Kevin Bowen, it is the morning wake-up call with KB and Andy. And uh, Kevin's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. Uh, any sights and sounds coming out of the locker room? And I, I saw and certainly listened to a, a lot of it today. But anything of interest, obviously, I, it doesn't surprise me whatsoever. I mean, Kev, they, they sat on this situation. They knew exactly what they had at running back for a month and didn't do jack squat about it with a broken arm dude and a bunch of guys that, that you know, you couldn't count on to do anything. And they, they got really uh, what we all thought they were going to get out of that output-wise, production-wise on Sunday. So Evan Hall goes down. Zach Moss is back. So nobody is surprised they didn't go out and do anything more legit than that here in the week leading up to week two in Houston right yeah I, it is a bit crazy to me john that you know zach zach moss broke his arm six weeks ago the johnson taylor situation has played out throughout that entire time frame and through all of that it's been you know literally Kenyon drake i mean that is that's it and i guess the lack of activity yesterday means that zach moss is going to give it a go coming up on sunday and, and i do think like in a way this is the approach that some teams do decide to take at running back. They have this guy that, you know, is a middle round pick and, you know, he's the runner on first and second down. And then they've got a different guy that comes in on third down. And, and that's kind of the approach. And we'll see how that works for the next three weeks. I mean, Zach Moss, it was, you know, a bit of a flash in the pan, but, you know, he did have a couple of moments late last season and we'll see if that continues. But, you know, it's one thing for me to take kind of the youth movement approach on defense when those positions don't directly impact Anthony Richardson. I think when you take that approach offensively, though, that's what can hurt him. That's what can stunt him. And, you know, I don't know if this is true, but, you know, there had to be some moments in Anthony Richardson on Sunday where he felt like he had to do it all. And he had to be the one, you know, making those plays as a runner. And how much does that then lead to him suffering two different lower body injuries in the game? And just in natural, those hits add up. And, and, you know, how does that wear and tear uh, look and how does he react to that over time? I think those are all very fair questions to be asked. And I thought he was pretty honest. He asked for kind of locker room moments. I asked him how he felt today or how he felt on Monday coming back from his first ever game. And, I mean, he was, he kind of cracked a smile and was like, man, I was, I was a little sore. And, you know, the guys in the locker room said, Hey, welcome to the NFL, Rook. And, you know, obviously some of these guys aren't taking as many direct shots as he took throughout. So um, I do think that that is something that, 
if he runs and is needed to run as much as he was on Sunday. And you can make the argument the Colts needed him to run even more if they were trying to win that game. Uh, how much of that is going to add up? It's Kevin Bowen with us. I, I did some studying for the first time since 1981 on this subject that you're talking about here. And I I see really, even with, let's just say, for example, something magically happens and Jonathan Taylor reemerges after this four-week <clears throat> hiatus on PUP and he returns back and everything's great and he starts running the football again. I see no way that we're going to get around what you just described Anthony Richardson being. I mean, even with support on this team, it is just inevitable that until he gains more confidence in his arm, I, I probably until he goes through an injury type of situation. Again, I'll knock on wood on this. I, I don't see a way around this because that's just kind of who he is going to be until, I guess simply put, he isn't. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I think it's a great point, and it's certainly something that is on my mind is just, you know, is there a time and point in his career where he's more of a passer than a runner? I, I know you're never going to remove that aspect to his game, and you don't want to totally remove that at all because it's what makes him unique and such a weapon. But, you know, in the case of C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, the two other guys drafted, for example, those guys are throwers before they are runners. Uh, Richardson, you probably wouldn't say that just yet. Um, and so I think that dynamic to his game, is something that's going to be huge because there is more of an injury element. And, you know, Shane Sykes was asked about that today, and he pointed to, you know, guys get hurt more in the pocket than they do out of the pocket. And, I mean, sure, I'm sure there's some evidence of that. But look at the two hits that Anthony Richardson got hurt on on Sunday. Both of those were him out of the pocket trying to make a play. Look at Andrew Luck lacerating his kidney. That was out of the pocket. So you, you still run the risk of, you know, guys kind of getting full speed shots at you in those moments. Um, and I don't think, you know, you can ignore that. And that's why I think you want to try and take some of that pressure off of him so where he doesn't feel the need to be, you know, hero ball, if you will. And I just think NFL hits and NFL speed is different. I mean, I leaned over to Mike Chappell, who I sit next to in the press box, and I think it was right after Josh Allen had kind of met Richardson out of bounds on those two plays that, I think they went down to sacks, actually. But basically, it was no gain, a loss of maybe a half yard for Richardson. And I kind of said to Chap, I'm like, man, Richardson's probably thinking to himself, at Florida, I get to the edge here, and I get three or four yards. Or the defender doesn't meet me like where they're meeting me here. Or even the first sack of the game, when Allen kind of ran him down from behind. Again, that's a play that maybe Richardson scrambles for a few yards. Um, and I guess him going through all of this, how does that react? I don't know if Trevor Lawrence's words post-game will have that big of an impact on him. Yes, he did suffer a couple of injuries in the opener, but you know he was full go today in practice, and he's going to be fine for Sunday, so maybe it'll take something a little bit more on their injury front for him to alter his game. But you know, more than that, I think he's got to progress and feel comfortable and develop as a thrower before he is a little bit more of that than he is a runner and therefore avoids – just some of those unnecessary hits, and certainly he can try and do some of that on his own and, you know, slide a little bit. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had some plays where he scrambled and then you know, had some slides on, on Sunday. I get the, a few of the Richardson plays. You know, you might necessarily not be in a position where you can slide, but uh, that will be obviously something to watch as well. So Kevin Bowens on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, in terms of Shane Steichen, 
I think that you have a lot of great memories from a year ago to where you could dial up something, and because your quarterback had so much incredible amount of support that more than likely it was going to work. And I'm not even talking about Kev in terms of skill position players, which they certainly had. But their offensive line was as good as any offensive line a year ago, if not the best, and fantastic for him. And I think those are some of the things you get caught up in, whereas you're thinking about where you are right now, and it's not even in the the zip code of where it was for him a year ago. I, and I, I think I know how he's wired to go for it and be aggressive. I kind of wonder if he's going to end up changing that tune considering the personnel he has to that of you know how they did that and they could gamble a year ago because their personnel was so top-notch. I'm going to see how this evolves over the course of the season. Yeah, I, I might be in the minority of this. I didn't have too big of an issue with the fourth down decisions. No, no, I, I I agree, especially the last one, Kev. I know you're going to bring this up. I, I can see both sides of it. I mean, you want a short field to go if you get the onside kick to bring Matt Gay out there. I mean, you're down there, you know, punch it in. And this team is just in – and this is what's scary. The short yardage situation still, still rears its ugly head. And the defense in the fourth quarter, as it was a year ago, a mess, gave up 14 on Sunday. Still problematic. Yeah, the, 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 those are good points. I mean, that fourth and inches, because it yeah. wasn't even a yard. I mean, that was right. fourth and inches, the first one when they tried the Philly special. And there is an element of we just immediately blame the head coach or the play caller for everything. And I'm like, okay, if we're going to hand out, you know, slips of blame, I hand it out to the offensive line before I hand them out to Shane Steichen on that play. How much money are you paying Braden Smith? How much money Ryan Kelly is making? How much money is Quentin Nelson making? And on fourth and inches, with a 6'4", 230-pound quarterback getting pushed by you know, Michael Pittman and Deion Jackson, and he can't pick that up in that moment. Like, to me, that's just – that's more on your offensive line than it is anything. The other fourth downs I thought were very kind of fringe field goal range, you know, 59, 60 yards. I mean, that's even indoors. I, I don't know if you try that. And obviously we saw where your punt game was on Sunday. It was no guarantee you were pending punts inside of the 10, inside of the 5 by any means. So um, I didn't have a, you know too much of an issue with that. And, and I do think Shane Steichen – I think Shane Steichen is – and this sounds so stupid. He's calling plays to win the football game. I, I know this season that kind of gets on the back burner, the wins and losses debate. But in Steichen's case, what is he thinking? He's thinking Jacksonville's going to get to 30. You know, we've got to get to 30. So I think in some of those situations, too, it was the debate of three, the debate of seven. You know, if we have a chance to, you know, win this game, we're going to have to score a lot. And so I think that was some of it. And probably some of it was, hey, if we possess the ball here, you keep Jacksonville on the sideline. Um, It was very feast or famine with that offense, if you looked at it. They had, you know, 14 drives, I think it was, in total on Sunday, and 11 of them uh, got less than 10 yards. So, I mean, it was – Really, three drives is really all they had in terms of moving it. So I think it was a part of it was, hey, we got to try and make the most out of these drives because we just aren't moving it with any sort of 
consistency. So Kevin Bowen with us. So I mentioned this earlier. Uh, if you are incredibly, outrageously optimistic, you need this game coming up on Sunday. And if you are pessimistic, like most of us have been with that six and a half over under total right here, I, I think we all in tune need a Colts win on Sunday. I mean, for everybody's thought and predictions this year, the way that you look at this Houston team, and I don't think – I don't think it's going to be as easy as advertised either. I mean, a home opener, a new quarterback, you know, mess in Baltimore over the weekend, you know, a, a new quarterback on the road for the first time with a, a lack of talented skill, positionally speaking, team offensively. That's not always a great combination here. I don't think this is a slam dunk by any stretch of the imagination, like a lot of Colts fans may suggest. Yeah, I, I think Houston is not very good at all. Um, I thought in week one, um, you know, C.J. Stroud sacked five times. Their offensive line got even more banged up in that game, and I think the Colts' defensive line showed on Sunday that um, they can take advantage of a subpar offensive line and one that was banged up in Jacksonville, and I'd make the argument Houston is even more in that category, and I think in C.J. Stroud's case, you know, we saw him in college. If you put a little chaos around him, that's just different than what he's used to. And um, so I think that should be an advantage there. Um, you know, offensively, you know, obviously you still kind of have to prove yourself. But, I mean, this is a game to your earlier point, John. If you want this season to be anything of win value, yes. this. I mean, this is your easiest road game all year. And – I think you got to go down there and you got to get that win. And I think there's an element too, just like as a franchise, it's like, gosh, isn't it time that you win in the AFC South again? I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that this franchise, the Indianapolis Colts have won one of their last eight AFC South games. I mean, we're talking about the <laughs> AFC South. Yeah, I, I mean, know. The, the lowliest of the low and You've won one of your last eight, and you know all of it really started in that win and and get in game that obviously you didn't get to end the 2021 season. Last year you go through it and you win one, you tie one, you lose four, and obviously you lost your first game this season in the division. Even if you, if you go back to the start of 21, I think you're like four. I want to say it's four, eight, and one uh, in divisional games in the last couple of years. So. Um, I mean, that is so embarrassing and so pathetic as a franchise that that's where you're at right now. And, again, we're talking about the AFC South. We're not talking about the AFC East or North or West where all those divisions have better top of the divisions and just better overall depth across it. So I don't think many times we're going to have these Wednesday conversations where I get too worked up over wins and losses this season but there is an element of like i mean come on like start winning in this division again because i just don't think maybe houston is still in this category but tennessee and jacksonville they certainly don't face the colts anymore and think there's fear or think there's the hey man this is the big bad bully that's beaten up on us for all these years there's no way mike vrabel and the titans or doug peterson the jags think that at all maybe the texans still do but certainly not the other two teams you remember, and I'm sure you do, how this market, this fan base, used to make fun of, and the rest of the division so many times, the butt of jokes regarding the Colts, and the Colts would just manhandle the division. I, the Colts are the joke now in this division. They're the joke. They're the absolute 
joke. And, and if, regardless of what you think about a rebuild and where you are, and you know your your pop culture music collection and all that, that has to be incredibly difficult for Jim Irsay to look in the mirror and know where his team is right now, regardless of what you're trying to do and what the understanding is rebuild wise here this season moving forward. That has to be difficult, embarrassing. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, think think about the history of, you know, the Colts in this division since 02 when the realignment occurred and, you know, the sheer dominance they had that first decade. And, I mean, even in the Pagano-Gregson era, at one point you had won 16 straight divisional games and now you've won one of your last eight. Like, and it's not like this division has gotten any better. It's not like Tennessee has been this – perennial you know they they finally found a quarterback and you know they're making AFC title game runs year in and year out or you know Jacksonville had one year in 2017 and that's it and of course Houston has been has been Houston so um it's kind of the weird balance John I felt at times with the Pacers last season and you know when you got into some of those late game fourth quarter moments it was like man yeah you know if you can prove your draft stock certainly there's going to be a group that loves that but then it's also like don't you have to get used to winning a little bit so you don't get, uh, you know, kind of accepting of it, of not winning, I guess. And I feel that way a little bit about Sunday, of a new operation. And, you know, all of a sudden, I, I know it's a road divisional game, so maybe it's not as, you know, whatever, uber important as some other ones will feel. But there's a lot of guys in this team that have just been a part of a lot of losing here, especially late. And making sure that that doesn't grow to be the norm, um, I, I think, is really, really a huge key. It's uh, Kevin Bowen, the morning wake-up call with KB and Andy. Andy is off, and Andy and his wife, um, proud parents to a baby boy earlier today, as Kevin reported when we first started. So congratulations, and we're thinking about Andy and his wife, certainly. Tomorrow on the show, James Boyd of the Athletic back in, and then uh, Cubby Dykton coming up the rest of the week talking about how can of corn routine catches are fantastic in the world of Chicago Cubs fans. I did want to ask you this before we go here. Um, So evidently, uh, the powers that used to be here um, are – putting a $35 million price tag on where I sit right now in this building. Kev, between my alcohol collection and your porn mag collection at our collective desk, this should be at least $36 million. Should it not? Come on. Toss in like Eddie Garrison's bobbleheads. And yeah, I mean, hell yeah, it should be. Yeah, wait till Cushman and Wakefield takes a yeah. uh, takes a gander of what's inside. They, you know, they only see the outside of it right now. It, yeah, Spud Dick's going to be Spud Dick will be here every day. Spud Dick's going to be here every day when he finds out how much alcohol I have at my desk. <laughs> it, it will be absolutely glorious uh, to think what they're what they're going to get for that. Yeah, I, I, I did see the uh, see the headlines there. So does that mean we could be out like real quick? I don't know. I, I'm just, yes. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that process works. I, I have a feeling like nothing too right. too quick on that end. But um, yeah, it's certainly once I take a look at your desk, um, yeah, that price is going to be nearly nearly double there. They find that secret hiding place you have at your desk with porno mags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and who knows what uh, what what Andy and Jake have in their dad. I mean, Andy oh has to my. Here alone for the next uh, 
for the last couple of weeks. I can't imagine what Jake has back there right now. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know, too. I, I mean, maybe a little add a little bit more because I've had three uh, Saturday night meals ripped off down there when they've been delivered um, around 8 o'clock on Saturday nights. So, Really? Yeah. One guy yelled at me, too. He was eating my food, and he yelled at me. I go, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, he's screaming at me right in front of Laney. Hey, come on in for the JMB takeover. <laughs> I, said, I said, man, it's all good. It's yours, man. Go ahead and take it. He yelled at me. Laney said, I think you need to come back in here. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. So, all good. But, yeah, $36 million compared to what we have collectively in our cubicles back there. Man, 35 felt a little bit light right there to me. So, and by the way, shout out to Spud Dick, who apparently works at this company, right? You know Spud, oh, yeah. don't you? Former, yeah. Uh, yeah, former yeah. DePaul quarterback, uh, the the son of Gary Dick, friend of this show, uh-huh. apparently is uh, sure. trying to find suitors for this building. I love it. So Spud and is is his, uh, is his guy John John Crisp on it? He's a big time listener. Oh, is he? What's his name? Well. I don't, does he listen yeah. to me, or you? He may not listen to me. I may be too hillbilly oh, for no, him. I think. He strikes me as a P1 guy, so yeah. He's a good dude. If those guys are on it, this thing will be sold by uh, by Halloween. No questions asked. What are they going to turn this thing into? Is it going to be like a, uh, I know. a casino? <laughs> Boy, that'd be, yeah. Sportsbook, that'd be. My, my, my apologies to Shelbyville and Anderson, by the way, too. I know that they don't want to hear that, and I'm saying that in jest. But what do you, what do you think well, this is going to end up got- being? If you got liquor, porn, and bobbleheads, yeah, that, 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 that could probably fit the boat there. I, I was always told like all the walls are really soundproof, and that's going to be I don't know difficult to I, yeah, I know nothing, I, and that's going to be difficult to sell. But I, I'm obviously very, very curious what it's what it's going to turn into. Yeah, you gotta... hopefully you go. Hopefully, it lasts better than the salad place on the corner lasted. <laughs> Are they going to bring back Aubon Pond and just make it like seven floors of Aubon Pond? Hey, there's your $15 bowl of cold soup right here. There's your chicken broth for 15 bucks. Yeah, it's it's a shock that that business model didn't make it, right? So, yeah. All right. What do you guys get coming at you in the morning? Uh, we got Zaire Franklin joining us at 730. So oh, nice. Okay. Call after uh, that impressive effort out of him, so. Always enjoy chatting with him. So, yeah, he is going to call us at 7.30. And then uh, little John McClain, always a favorite. Like him. Whenever the Texans appear on the schedule. So, looking forward to that. And, uh, Houston and the Colts coming up on Sunday. The Houston home opener. The Colts, of course, on the road for the first time. 1 o'clock is that kick. 10 a.m. with me and others. The Colts pregame huddle. Morning show. It is the morning wake-up call with KB and Andy. No Andy Sweeney, but uh, James Boyd coming up in the morning on the show. Kev, I appreciate you very much, man. We'll talk next week. Yep. See you, John.